This week, Scott Lane joins us to unpack his testimony and tell us how to be in this journey of faith for the long haul. Scott, thanks for joining us. Sure. <laughs> Glad to do that. Yeah. So Scott Lane is our executive pastor for ministry, um, formerly the FBCSA youth pastor for quite some time. And you've been, how long have you been on staff here at the church? Um, 20, 26 years. Six. Be 27 in oh my October. Gosh, that's wild. That's a long so time. that is just so y'all know, that is not normal in the best way, <laughs> for, um, especially um, as a youth minister for so many years of that. Yeah. Um, normally, there's a lot of turnover in ministry for a lot of reasons that we'll get into, but um, we've been blessed to have Scott um, for over 26 years now, um, and that is just a really huge deal. And so, um, yeah, so we're excited that you're here and we get to learn Thanks. from you. But um, so to get started. Just tell us a little bit about your story, how you how you came to faith in Christ, but also yeah. your calling to ministry and what led you here and okay. those kind of things. Um, I grew up in the Metroplex uh, in Hearst, Texas. If you're familiar with the Metroplex, um, that's actually the original H-E-B, Hearst Euless Bedford up there. And so when we moved down here and everybody started talking about H-E-B, it was like, what in the world? And so uh, I grew up in Hearst, Texas, and... Uh, Grew up in a family uh, that uh, faith was was a very big part of uh, of our lives, the church, and uh, and so my my earliest rec- recollection of of being in church was my mom being baptized. Uh, I think at the age of probably like let's see, probably like f- late thirties, thirty seven, thirty eight years old, and so. Um, that kind of got me to asking questions, and around the age of nine, uh, was was talking with her and 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 dad on occasions too, and and uh, began to ask about sin and salvation, and and uh, I can just remember uh, being in church and during the invitation, I can remember grabbing hold of the pew, going, "Oh, God, I don't know that I want to do this. I just don't know," and. I'm sure my mom saw me uh, struggling, and she just said, you know, have you ever thought about this? And, and I said, yes, I'm thinking about that. And so I remember uh, at, at the age of nine uh, being saved, and uh, I, I remember after that just feeling different. Uh, that, that was the feeling. I remember uh, I, through... Junior high and high school, I, I about sixty pounds ago, I played basketball. So, um, I can remember being being in the backyard shooting shooting hoops just by myself, thinking I'm different now. What does that mean? What is that going to look like? I, but I know I'm different. God has done something. It's happening on the inside of me. And as a nine year old, I still had the the recollection of that. And so, um, so through those years, I I always joke and. And my wife, Christy, is over here, and she always rolls her eyes uh, when I say this. But for those years of childhood and, and my teenage years, I had a drug problem. Uh, my parents drugged me to church every Sunday. <laughs> and so, um, okay, that one worked. Okay. Um, Sorry, Christy. <laughs> and so church was a big part of that. Uh, at, at seventh grade, I went to youth camp, and... Uh, Really felt the Lord calling me to ministry as a 13-year-old boy. And uh, I came back and was so excited and told our pastor, 
And I really felt like the Lord was calling me to youth ministry. It was, it was very interesting, even at that young of age, that it was very clear to me that it was youth ministry. So much so that I told my pastor, and I was so excited, and he said, great, you're going to be a pastor. And it really um, threw me for a loop. Uh, and so I kind of processed that for a little bit, and really because of, not because of that, but just because I thought, well, I'm 13 years old, what are I really, can I really hear God? And I, so I kind of blew all that off and just kind of thought, you know, maybe I was just, it was an emotional time and this and that. And so um, still stayed faithful to church and, and, and being a part of that. And uh, the summer after my senior year of high school, uh, I went to youth camp again. So I didn't, between seventh grade and senior in high school, my summers were playing, were playing basketball. Yeah. And so the summer before my senior year, I, I missed two days, Monday through Friday, spending four hours in the gym in the evenings. I worked during the day, and so mm-hmm. basketball was a big, big, big priority, and so it kind of blocked out some other things, and we, we'll, we'll get into that in just a little bit. But um, I remember being back into, in, as a senior, graduated senior, and God saying, that was real. Mm-hmm. When I talked to you then, it was, it was me, and it was real, and you heard me. Now, what are you going to do? And so um, the plans for my life had already kind of been set in motion uh, with, with me and my family. My dad owned his own business, and so I'd already been accepted into Texas A&M, and, and I was going to major in business and <clears throat> take over the family business. And so I went there for two years, which those of you that know me will explain a lot. Uh, <laughs> and so did two years there, and as a, as a camp counselor, in my after my sophomore year at A&M God just said what are you going to do about this call to ministry it's time to it's time to get serious about this and so I came back and uh, this is kind of an interesting side story I told my youth minister God is calling me to ministry I need to I need to make that my priority I need to I need to do something to signify that this is going to be for real I need I need to change and so he picked up the phone and called the president of Howard Payne University. And uh, he said, I've got a young man that needs to be here. He needs to major in ministry. And the president said, have him come see me tomorrow. Oh so gosh. I drove down to Howard Payne. This is, this is uh, like three days before school starts. I drove down to Howard Payne. The president had my schedule, my dorm assignment, all of that. I never filled out an application, never sent a transcript, never did anything. And two days later... I drove back, got my stuff, and, and I was enrolled at Howard Payne. Oh my gosh. And so, um, and so, God began to shape in my heart a, a, just a passion for for youth ministry, mm-hmm. and uh, really for the longest time, that's that's what I thought I'd be doing until I was you know 60, 70 years old. And I know guys that have done that mm-hmm. into their seventies. And so, um, I had a good run, uh, <laughs> so to speak. I. Uh, was was a youth minister uh, out of seminary at Valley Ranch Baptist Church for five years and interned before that. So, so really about 26, 27 years I did was on staff as a youth minister and mm. almost 20 here. That's incredible. As a youth minister. Yeah. So man, that's um, amazing, y'all. That is really not normal, <laughs> in the in the best way possible. That is just that's incredible. Yeah. I don't think I've ever met someone that has been so committed to youth ministry specifically. 
yeah. committed is probably the key word. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So yeah, and so so what led you to FBCSA too? So um, coming out of seminary, um, I I had just just gotten married and. Uh, Christy and I were looking for a place to serve, and so um, we were we were interviewing churches and interviewing with churches rather. And uh, the very first one we interviewed with was was First Baptist San Antonio, and they met me at Southwestern there in Fort Worth. And uh, there's still there's still folks that go to this church that were on that search team, and um, I I uh, we I met with them probably for two or three hours. I mean, it was a long conversation. And I went back out to the car and I picked up my bag phone <laughs> <laughs> and called Christy. And I said, we're going to San Antonio. I can just tell you we're, there's something about this place. I said, I don't, I don't, you know, really never been to San Antonio, but just there's something, there's a sense from what they're saying and, and all that. And, and so, um, Kind of a cool part of the story is that was that was in May. That was the first Saturday of May in 1996, I think it was, and we didn't come till October. And so between then, Christy was teaching uh, at an elementary school, and just for full disclosure, she she told her principal, um, yeah. "You probably need to know that my husband's interviewing, and we're probably going to move." And the principal said, well, then you need to resign. And so we did, just trusting the Lord. Mm-hmm. And so um, we we met with the search team here in May, and they went dark for about six weeks. And so in this all during this time, I'm, I'm interviewing with other churches. And the next church I talked to after the first meeting said, we want you to come. We want you to be with our youth, be our youth minister. We think this is a great thing. And we would pray, and we would say, no. The Lord's not, the Lord's not doing that, and, but we're not hearing from First Baptist. And every time we interviewed with another church and told them no, somebody from First Baptist would call and say, "You, you just need to know we're still in our process. We haven't forgot about you. You're, we're still working through our, our, our system oh and the gosh. way we do things." And so, that happened like four different times where we talked to churches. They wanted us to come. And, you know, I had one, one of the pastors on the way back to the airport, I think this was in Houston, we were driving back to the airport, and he said, how much is it going to take to get you to come? He said, just name your price, because we, we want you here. And I just said, well, you know, I need to talk to my wife, and this and that and the other. And, and when we said no, and this is, you know, remember, Christy doesn't have a job, and we're still saying no, and every time that we say no, or we get frustrated to the point of, you know, I think I'm just going to call San Antonio and say, we haven't heard, maybe maybe this is a door closing. Every time we felt that way or every time that happened, they would call. And it was, it was the most amazing oh thing. And wow. finally in October uh, of 96, we came. That's so, incredible. Man, that is wild. And that's so discerning on your part, right, to have someone be saying those kind of things to you. Well, I wish I could tell you it was fun and we were strong and we had faith but gosh there were tears and yeah. we were scared um we wanted to trust the lord and, and and we did as best we could but there were there were moments that i wanted to pick up the phone and just say you know no 
yeah. we called the church and but yeah. God helped us yeah. you know even in our weakness Man. in that so. that's incredible that's awesome and so y'all can see why um when we're talking about being in this journey of faith for the long haul, um, that Scott is the perfect person to talk that through with us. Um, And I forgot to mention, um, we're going to have some time for Q&A at the end, and we can ask questions from the floor, but also we'll use Slido. So if you want to submit questions on Slido that way, um, the code is MWITC. You can do that too, and we'll do that at the end. But um, that's amazing. I don't think I've ever heard that story. That is so cool. Oh, my gosh. Um, there is something about San Antonio. That's what we kind of were like, man, I don't know what it is that's drawing us here, but San Antonio just has And when something. we moved here, we were, we were excited because we knew this is where the Lord wanted us, but we were, we were very hesitant and mm-hmm. reluctant to, to embrace San Antonio. Yeah. It felt like it was going to be way too touristy and, you know, in <laughs> yeah. the rat race and all that. And yeah. what we found was it, was it was a lot for us. It was a lot like Fort Worth, which is yeah. kind of the side we lived on. People want to talk to you. People want to know you. There's high regard for family and yeah. and all those things. And so it, it's been it's been a great yeah. like 26 years, yeah. 27 years. That's awesome. And I hope maybe we'll be here for <laughs> that long too. That, Let's that's pray the hope. that way. Let's pray that way. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, okay, so you've so in all of those going on 27 years of ministry, what are some of the things that you've enjoyed most? about ministry and and what are you proud of what are the things that you enjoy so much about this work oh man youth ministry or yeah executive ministry? I, I may do some of both wait and when did you switch to executive ministry? about seven years ago seven years ago yeah, yeah. okay so I would say youth ministry um, here one of the things that we ended up doing was we created our own youth camp um, and the kids still go I have kind of stepped out of that camp uh, rick henderson our youth minister now leads that it was impact youth camp and uh at one point we had like 18 or 20 some 20 churches that wow. joined with us and we had over a thousand kids coming awesome. and to see kids get saved mm-hmm. um to see kids get called into ministry um was great and and that's one of the things i'm most proud about is you know our kids would bring their friends and and I, I, I always say this to our to our teenagers, and I and I we just didn't bring kids to camp that didn't get saved. I mean, they mm-hmm. just they were around God's presence and and that. And and we've had a host of kids that have come through our ministry and our church. Um, it's not just the youth ministry; it's this church for sure that mm-hmm. are in ministry and pastors and youth pastors and mm-hmm. uh, worship leaders mm-hmm. and all kinds of things. And so. Mm-hmm. I'm really, I'm really proud of those things. I'm really pleased that there's, there's a legacy, uh, you know, longer than even 19 or 20 years. Yeah. That it, God's legacy is longer and bigger than even a, mm-hmm. my ministry. And so yeah. I, I take great, um, great joy yeah. in that. Yeah, that's um, awesome. And so as an executive pastor, I think just beginning, just to be, to be able to dream uh, for the whole church and not just dream for mm-hmm. youth ministry, yeah. I think has been really kind of cool and, mm-hmm. and uh, see some things happen uh, yeah. whole church wide yeah. that uh, that's been a good thing. Yeah. Uh, Better together was one of the, the neat things. And <laughs> Megan and I, y'all, don't, y'all probably don't know this. Megan and I were in a small group on a staff retreat, and oh, yeah. and uh, that's where all that <laughs> came out of. It yeah. actually started right here. 
and <laughs> she just said, you know, we yeah, need to nice. we need to play together. <laughs> we need to enjoy one another. We need to be together. And I I just happened to be wearing a shirt that said better together. <laughs> I think it said that day it uh-huh. said better together. And we all went, huh. <laughs> And so that was that was fun. Yeah. That was a good thing. Yeah. And it turned into so much more than just mm-hmm. two people. I mean, it was yeah. a whole church getting getting yeah. together and and embracing that. So yeah. it was kind of cool. That was a fun thing. And that's what that was on Pentecost Sunday. It was. And that's what um, we've talked a little bit about this, but Pentecost has become it's not a new holiday, obviously, but a new kind of day that we celebrate as a church together. And so we're gonna celebrate. Um, not necessarily in the exact same way, but look towards Pentecost with us. Um, I know we're looking towards Easter, and then that's kind of the next step out, but Pentecost has become this really cool marker it has. for us as a church. Yeah. yeah, because coming out of COVID, I don't know how many of y'all were, how many of y'all were here when COVID hit? How many of y'all were, okay. If you'll remember, we shut down, we shut down the Sunday of spring break. I can still remember sending text messages to Pastor Chris and, mm-hmm. And and Pastor Danny and Pastor Aaron saying, you know, we've we can't meet. We're just it's it's not safe yet for us to meet. And and, and we were all in agreement to an extent. You know, we were trusting the Lord. Luckily, you know, a lot of churches didn't have a broadcast ministry, mm-hmm. so our worship never missed a beat. Mm-hmm. Literally, it never missed a beat because God had already helped us. Um, and um, but, you know, Pentecost was the day that we started worship back again yeah. in our church. And so that was a really special day. And mm-hmm. then and then in uh, 20, uh, last summer, mm-hmm. it yeah. was it was the day we did better together. So yeah. it, it's awesome. become a really special day. Yeah, I know. That's a, another reason to look forward to that day. That's awesome. Um, okay, so those are the, some of the things that you've enjoyed. What has been some of the hardest parts about your career in ministry? Um, gosh, I think, you know, if you, if you know me, and obviously Christy does, I'm, I'm very much a people pleaser. Mm-hmm. I want, I, and I want everybody to like me, to be pleased with, with my ministry, my service. And so there have been moments where I, I haven't, there's been people that have been disappointed or mm-hmm. discouraged or I've let them down or, um, you know, didn't agree. And, and, and so when that tension happens, mm-hmm. that's, that's really hard for me personally. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I, I know that about me. And so, but it, it doesn't make it any less difficult. So that's, that's a struggle. Um, yeah. I, can, I can get very engulfed um, in things. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm very ADD, and so I, I can lock on to something and get immersed in that. And mm-hmm. so, which kind of feeds into, I think, what you're <laughs> going to ask me in a little bit. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. but just get real, um, you know, really uh, over-committed, over-involved. Yeah. And, and then when you feel like you have to back off of that, then you feel like, oh, I'm going to let people down. And mm-hmm. so, um, yeah. you know. To the point, I will tell. I'll tell this story. Uh, we had a we had a youth worker that had been here for a couple of years, and he was phenomenal, and had had just great relationships with with our students. And um, actually, there were several students he had better relationships with than I did, 
Now, my personality was very threatened by that. And uh, I, mean, I, had to, yeah. I had to meet with him to repent. But I would actually undermine him because my thought was as the youth pastor, I needed to have the best relationship with every kid. Mm. And so I would kind of undermine his relationships with the kids mm. to his detriment and, yeah. and make him less effective. And God really got a hold of me. Yeah. And I had to go to him and say, you know, John, I am so sorry. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, and so just missing the mark like that sometimes is, is a struggle. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard to, to admit sometimes that, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. you fail mm-hmm. and, you know, in such a catastrophic and goober way of, of doing, I mean, looking at things. And, and so it, it really shifted the ministry. It was, one, it was a turn, one of the turning points that I didn't have to have the best relationship with every teenager, you know. Yeah. And I still feel that a lot for our church. I mean, I want, I want to be friends with all of you. I want to serve and encourage you guys. And, you know, that, that doesn't change, but the insecurity of not necessarily being the favorite, mm-hmm. you know, that the Lord has, the Lord continues to help me do that. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. So. Yeah. Um, and if a lot of y'all were here, I guess it was about a year ago, um, we had a conversation about burnout. Do y'all remember that? Um, I don't know how long ago that was, but um, that was one of the things that um, it felt like that resonated a little bit because um, we've all experienced burnout in one season or another or in one area of life or another, right? And so some of those things, like you were talking about, some of those hard things, mm-hmm. um, can lead to burnout, right? Um, And so this is, you know, a year later or however much, you know, after that conversation that we started about burnout, um, I want to readdress that a little bit and how to not just deal with it in the moment, but prevent it from the get-go. Because burnout among pastors is especially... It's on kind of on the rise, right? Yeah. And that's that's a huge problem, um, and it's for a lot of reasons. But why do you think that is? Um, have you ever experienced a time of burnout or or that kind of thing? I, I don't know that I would use the word burnout. Christy might change that. I, I, there are seasons of fatigue mm-hmm. um, where I, I, I feel tired, you know, and yeah. just a lull, and you know, I'm you know I'm high energy as you can tell. I mean, I. <laughs> Until I get still for a little bit, and then I'm out, I sleep, and I'm gone. <laughs> but um, there, there have been times where I've been very fatigued, yeah. and and have had to retreat back and and you know mm-hmm. recoup yeah. and and do those kinds of things. I I try to be proactive in that, um, and I I I have several people that I I just call them truth tellers, mm-hmm. and uh, Christy is my first and best truth teller um, when she feels and senses that I'm getting fatigued or I've been, you know, engaged and um, uh, engulfed, you know, with my ADD and all that kind of stuff. And she has this complete freedom to say, you know, Scott, you need to, you need to step back. Mm -hmm. Uh, Before I got married, I had three or four other people. One was a lay leader at my church in Dallas and two two other ministers that I was in real tight knit, probably we would use the word accountability with, and I tried to be as vulnerable with them about what was going on, what mm-hmm. I was involved with, and and they all had the certain, uh, duly, they were duly deputized to tell me, Scott, you're you're 
you're you're you're burning you're running on fumes you need to mm -hmm. you need to step back and um you know it was that was something that I did oftentimes they saw it long before I would and yeah. and helped and and did that and um and I'm I'm in friendships with other ministers where mm -hmm. even now we do that um we talk you know once a week once every other week yeah. and just encourage each other and those kinds of things and and so Really, one of the best ways to, to be proactive for burnout is to be in community. And yeah. not just in a group, but really in a place where you can share your heart and soul, your fears, uh, your victories. I mean, sometimes when, as much as you talk about the things you're, you're doing as opposed to not doing, sometimes those are signs of, you know, mm -hmm. burnout maybe, maybe coming your way. And so yeah. um, I think that, that is, was a big part for me. Uh, the other part for me um, was just I'm gonna I'm gonna use the word quiet time, um, okay. but I wanna I wanna I wanna stretch that thought for you guys. Um, a lot of most all of my quiet times have to do with me engaging in God's word. Mm -hmm. Okay, but I I'd be lying if I said there were seasons when when sometimes when I read the scriptures, you know God's not just you know jump the things aren't just jumping off the page. Yeah. And so for me, and ADD again, variety was my friend. And so some of those quiet times and some seasons for, you know, four or five days or a week or so, that quiet time was just worship. Mm -hmm. Singing, I play guitar, um, learning new songs, singing songs from, you know, the 80s you know, that were so significant in my youth days and, and yeah. you know, just having those kinds of experiences. And so for me, that kept those quiet time moments very fresh and my, my relationship with God, I'm going to use the word vibrant. Mm -hmm. And so God was, I would feel his presence and him speaking to me those ways. Uh, another way that oftentimes I'll yeah. encourage, I encourage teenagers and, and adults as well. I, I encouraged an adult to do this about two weeks ago. And I mean, he, thought I was a genius. It has nothing to do with me. Um, but a lot of times when I don't feel like I'm hearing God, um, and, and I'll, I'll just write the conversation. I'll just say, here's what I'm thinking. Here's what I'm feeling, God. And then I'll pause, and I'll just be still. And then I'll write what I think he's saying to me. Yeah. And it's shocking when you go back and you, you journal like that, mm -hmm. that God is it's like, oh, he was telling me these things. You, yeah. you go back and you look at those things, especially yeah. when I don't feel like God is, is close sometimes, and that, that does happen for yeah. sure. Yeah, so that's awesome. Yeah. Well, and that's what, you know, I think last time when we talked about burnout, we were talking about, you know, a lot of us experience that at work, right, because we're either our caseloads are too big or um, our hours are too long or there's just not enough hours in the day, right, to get everything done, and that that piles up, and then especially at work is where we feel those things. But that can seep in, right? We know that everything in life is connected, right? So, and I don't think we touched on this as much last time we talked about this, but burnout at work can really easily sip in, slip into spiritual burnout, right? Mm -hmm. and, yeah. and it impacts everything, right? And so, and I think you drew a good distinction between fatigue and burnout, right? Those are two different things, mm -hmm. Um there's seasons where you need to rest and then there's seasons where you need to take a harder look at things. Right. And say, okay, something's not working. Yeah. Right. It's, I haven't just been 
on a marathon, I something's not working and I need to change that, right? Um, and we talked a little bit about that last time, but that's that's huge to know the difference there, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Um, and so, like we said, we've all experienced this in one way or another, um, but especially spiritually, I guess, and this is kind of, <laughs> I'm going off script here, but okay. when we're experiencing burnout at work or in whatever ways that you feel like y'all have experienced that before, um, how can we safeguard, especially in an environment where, you know, we're tempted to say, well, you know, I can just leave my job, right? And, and maybe that'll heal that burnout. Um, how can we keep that from seeping into our spiritual life when that's kind of the thing that we're experiencing so much at, in other areas of life, whether it's relationships or work or those kind of things? Hopefully we've set up some sandbags, right, or something yeah. around our spiritual life. But like you said, I think quiet time is the biggest thing there. But It is, yeah. yeah. Quiet time, time in the Word. Um, being in community, in, in real, authentic community, mm-hmm. I yeah. think um, – is, is huge because yeah. there, for me, um, oftentimes other people that I'm close to will see those things before I do. Yeah. And even before I feel them, people, you know, may, that probably says more about me than anything that I'm oblivious. But, um, but yeah. they, they, you know, I, I need that help and I pray for people like that in my life. I mean, yeah. I, I'm intentional to pray, mm-hmm. Lord, lead, lead people like this into my life. And when I feel like I don't, you know, I'm I'm always always searching for those things. Yeah. Um, I do think, you know, work wise, I think I think it can be very close, but to do those things to the glory of God, you know, you, we work for the glory of God, even if even if it's a quote secular job. I think because we can approach it that way, I think God oftentimes mm-hmm. is quicker to say, you know what. This is this is gonna yeah. seep. This is this is seeping into your spiritual life, yeah. and so you know, be careful. And yeah. you know, the Lord oftentimes will will put safeguards and, and mm-hmm. things in our way, yeah. you know, to to pull us back yeah. at work or pull us back, yeah. you know, in so, social circumstances and things like that. Yeah, no, that's good. And that's what having, y'all have been such a good community to one another. Um, And that's one of the things that I love so much about this group. Um, Because that accountability, like you said, and that having someone to say, hey, you know, looks like we might be running on fumes here. Do we need to to pull over a little bit? Um, That is a huge deal, right? Because I remember a few years ago when we were living in Houston, I was in a season of, of burnout. And and I was feeling depressed and, and anxious and all these things, and I didn't have the wherewithal to stop and think, hmm, let's think about this critically. Maybe maybe there's something going on here, right? And so Blaze uh, pointed that out, and it wasn't until I went into counseling that, and I kind of talked through, well, I'm in this really stressful, kind of toxic environment at my work, and, you know, and blah, 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 you know, the list was so long, and the <laughs> counselor goes, well, it sounds like you're asking a lot of yourself, and I was like, Oh, right. You know, you don't always realize how much you're asking of yourself. Um, And it's not until someone spells it out for you that you're like, oh, that is a lot. Okay, that explains this. Right. And to be able to step back and and see that for what it is, that's a big deal. And so you need people to point that out. Um, Yeah, that's so important. Um, And this is another one of these things when we're talking about specifically spiritual 
burnout or just church life burnout? Because mm-hmm. I think that's one thing people will say, well, I love the Lord, but I'm kind of done with the church, right? And, and there's reasons for that. And there's a phrase, right? No hurt hurts quite like church hurt. Um, getting hurt in the body of Christ is a different kind of pain, right? Yeah. Um, it's really hard to heal from. It's one of these things that can keep us from journeying with Jesus for the long haul because we're meant to do it in community, right? And so when that community wounds us, that's a special kind of pain. Um, so how, do you, how can we approach church hurt or when we, when should we find a new church and just stick it out? How do we begin to kind of heal when we've experienced something like that in the body of Christ? So I, I think this is going to be a cliche but I think we expect it. I think we, we expect or anticipate being hurt, not because we don't trust people, but because we're trusting people. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and we're trusting other sinners that will let us down, that will fail us, that will hurt us, harm us. Um, sometimes not intentionally, sometimes very intentionally. And so um, I really think that's the the first, you know, the the thing. You know, I joke around. I said, you know, church would be great if it wasn't for the people. (laughs) Yeah. And so um, that's true in a sense, but it's also scary in a sense. Mm -hmm. Um, And so just just knowing that... um, but in the, in the back of my mind, what I always want to say to people is, um, and, and myself, you know, Jesus' plan and God's plan for growing his kingdom is the church. And he's the one that put this together, knowing that it was going to be an imperfect group of people. Mm-hmm. And so if I love him and he loves the church, then... Yeah. Transitive property, I have to love the church. Yeah. I don't. I don't have an option now. If the hurt is significant and unhealthy mm-hmm. hurt, I mean, if it's abuse, if it's if it's you know heresy, if it's mm-hmm. those kinds of things, yeah. then I believe I really do. Then I believe it is time to look for a different church. But I I tell people when they say, you know. And I've had teenagers tell me this. I've had adults tell me this as an executive pastor. I'm, I'm going to leave the church. And I'll just say, is God calling you to leave the church? Well, and they look at me and I say, if God called you to join the church, mm. which I believe he does for every one of us, there was a moment when God said, this is the place I want you. I, I believe that for whatever circumstance that he may use or use for his glory, he will lead us someplace else. And so our assignment is to serve here faithfully yeah. until we feel like he's saying, I want you to serve someplace else. And so um, yeah. that, that helps me too, to know that, that I'm always going to be for the church and that I know that if God is, if I, even though I have feelings of wanting to go someplace else, it's the Lord that's going to lead me to this next place because yeah. once I get there, I'm going to know and I'm going to rest in the fact that God's led me mm-hmm. here. It's not my own feelings because, quite frankly, I my own feelings oftentimes yeah. are not yeah. 
you know, mm-hmm. strong. And now I, sometimes God will say, you know, I want you to stay in a place, even though you've been wounded and hurt. Mm-hmm. And I want to, I want to teach you perseverance. I want to teach you, I want to teach you grace. I want to teach others grace through you. Yeah. And so, um, it's, yeah. it's very, it's very subjective kind of thing. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. That's good. Well, and that's, um, that's something that's so hard because we do this all the time in, in relationships, right? If, if some, you know, if it's a new relationship and then you have your first argument or your first fight, you know, the, the thing we want to do is to say, well, oh, it's been fun. I'm out, right? Or um, in any kind of relationship that dips down below the surface, yeah. um, there's going to be some sort of hurt there eventually. Yeah. And there's, right? an, there's an, um, uh, an intuitive trust and in, in optimism in the church that I think the Holy Spirit gives us that mm-hmm. because we know we're supposed to trust these people in this room more than we trust other folks that are not in the body of Christ, right? Mm-hmm. And so it, it, intuitively we feel that and mm-hmm. that may, and that's why when the hurt comes, it's so much more. It's almost, you know, this yeah. where we're in, it's in Corinthians where Paul talks about sin and how much, how much more, uh, damaging sexual sin is mm-hmm. because it's in your own body because it, it harms the mm. deepest part of you. Yeah. And this, I think sometimes this is too, this hurt yeah. is such a deeper hurt because it's not only physical and emotional, but it's spiritual. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's that it's all three of those areas in our lives. And so, yeah. uh, I don't think we can overlook that. I don't think we can blow that off, but I do think we, we have to process that very carefully yeah. and, and courageously yeah. Because oftentimes the Lord will say, yeah, I know, but yeah. um, I want you to stay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. And that's, you know, like we said, when our reaction is to say, well, you know, I still love the Lord, but the church has hurt me too much, right? And and we kind of go off on our own. It feels like nine times out of ten, you know, we've, we've talked a lot about the, the shepherd and the sheep metaphor, right? We spent a whole retreat talking about that. Um, when we when we do that and we go off on our own as sheep, right? We often don't realize, oh, there's a cliff right over here, right? And I'm about to fall right over it, right? Or, um, and we kind of find ourselves in this dizzying place where we no longer have that that community, even the community that wounded us, to get us back on track, right? Yeah. And so, and that's hard to say to admit that I need you, even though you wounded me. Um, that's that takes a knock to our pride, right? absolutely. Um, but it's worthwhile. Yeah, and I, yeah. I think being careful to process that and process yeah. that. If God calls you to leave, I believe God will call you to leave well. Yeah. And so you talk to leadership that you that you trust and know. Yeah. Now, if it's leadership that has wounded you, then maybe you talk to other leadership or you talk to other folks in the group to say, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm feeling Lord leading me to leave. I want to leave well. How can I do that? I'm st- because I still love the church and mm-hmm. my leaving, I don't want to, I don't want to inflict, I don't want to inflict pain when I leave. Is there a gracious and graceful way yeah. to leave and, and step into another? Because if you don't, when you get to the next assignment, you're, you're going to bring that hurt with you yeah. until you deal with it and move on. And oftentimes that's when God will call you to a different place is after you've hung in there and worked through that. Yeah. Sometimes he'll call you to stay, and sometimes he'll say, 
okay, now you're ready for the next, yeah. the next chapter. Do, you know, the, yeah. do you love me? Yeah, right. We just talked about. Yeah. Once Peter got to that point, then Jesus said, okay, now, now we're going to, now we're going to use you. Now you're going to get your assignment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. Well, and that's, um, similarly, how many of y'all have heard this term when it comes to our spiritual lives, uh, deconstructing or deconstruction, right? You've heard people say, well, I'm, I'm in a season where I'm, I'm deconstructing my faith, right? And a lot of the times that's, that's genuine. And they're saying, okay, I've learned this stuff at church and this stuff in other places and things are not lining up. And I need to take a step back and say, I, I might need to unlearn a few things yeah. and, and figure this stuff out, right? And that's okay. And that's something that theoretically we should be doing all the time, right? We should be taking a critical eye to that. Um, I have heard some folks say, well, I'm deconstructing my faith, and really they've just decided to let their faith be a season, and they've just walked away from that completely, right? And I think probably a lot of you have seen both of those things, right? Um, It is hard when you take that critical eye to your faith. Um, It's hard to work through that stuff on your own. Um, And so what would you say to someone um, in that phase, and how can we we deconstruct or, or take a critical eye to our faith um, in a way that leads us closer to the Lord and not further yeah. away. Does that make so, sense? Yeah. Okay. I, I would differentiate with somebody that came to me. I would say, okay, now are you deconstructing or are you doubting? Because I think those are completely different. A lot of, yeah. Now, I'm going to go back to my youth ministry days. A lot of times I would talk with kids and, and college students that were doubting their faith. In other words... I don't know that I knew what I was doing when I was nine years old. Mm-hmm. I didn't know faith was going to look like this at 15. I was going to have to give God my relationships. I was going to have to give God my priorities because that didn't happen. I didn't pray that prayer when I was nine years old. Yeah. And, you know, I come back to, for, for them to settle that, the doubting is, is fine. But you... As a, as a nine-year-old boy, gave as much of your heart and life as you knew to the Lord. Yeah. And he will call you to continue to do that. I mean, he saved you, but he's continually saving us every day. And so, um, yeah. so that's doubting. And adults do that too. We doubt. Mm-hmm. We have moments and seasons where, gosh, my life is a lot bigger. And there's more things that God is demanding uh, that I serve him with and, and, and turn over to him that yeah. I had no idea I was going to have to do that when I was, you know, 15, when I got saved or even 25, when I got saved, it's this looks, my life looks different. And maybe I didn't really know what I was doing. Yeah. You knew what you were doing. Yeah. You knew as much. So deconstruction is a completely different mm-hmm. thing. And so, um, yeah. theology is an interesting thing. It's like Jenga. I mean, you, you pull one little pin over here and the whole thing ripples, and you have to figure out and fix stuff over here. You can't just touch a little part of theology. That's the best way I've heard theology described. And it's, <laughs> That's it's exactly so what it is. <laughs> interconnected and interwoven. You can't, I can't. I'll just say it that way. I haven't been able. And so, I mean, even this yeah. passage that we had this, this last week of Noah, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, it's a kid's story, and sometimes... I think, I think it's great that our kids grow up listening and knowing the Bible stories. But God wiped out the human race. Yeah. 
What kind of wrath is that? And, and for me, you know, I had, to, I, had to, I had to wrap my mind around that just this last week, you know. Man, God is that serious about sin. And God is, is and he didn't apologize for it at all. And he didn't apologize to Jesus for, I'm, I'm sorry, son, you're having to go through this. He never said that. And so, and so that one little wrath, okay, well, what does that mean for salvation? Yeah. What does that mean? What does it mean for sanctification, for, for me, practicing repentance mm-hmm. and those kinds of things? So, but there's a lot of things that we have to hold on to in tension, you know, and, 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 Sometimes we're closer to this side, you know, of God's grace and God's love. And then we have a passage like this last week, and all of a sudden we're saying, yeah, you know, but God God really does not like sin. Mm-hmm. And God punishes sin. It will be punished either yeah. by someone going to hell or by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Either way, it's punished. Yeah. And so you can't, you know, you have to hold on to both of those things mm-hmm. and, you know, yeah, I get a choice, but God knew, and yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. predestined because the, the scriptures talk about those things, and I have to hold on. And yeah. and the the trick in deconstruction, I think, is just don't let go. Hold on and think through. Mm-hmm. You know, get into God's word. What does the Bible say? Yeah. Get with folks. Again, I'm going to use the word community. People that that you love and trust, either pastors, ministers, other believers, to help wrestle with these these big ideas and cultural things that, that you're hearing. And, you know, is that really what the Bible says? You know, and, and, and the whole time, hold on. Don't let go until the Lord tells you to let go. Mm. And, and, yeah. and so that, that would be my encouragement. Yeah. But to know, number one, that theology is a, is a really, um, it's a great thing to think about God, but we're finite yeah. folks thinking about an infinite God, and it's complex, and it's beautiful, it's troublesome, and it's glorious, mm-hmm. and it's all of the above, and, and so um, when we go through seasons of that, and I say we, I've, man, you know, I've, I went through seminary and, you know, had systematic theology and did all of that stuff. And, you know, I heard, uh, 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 I heard John Piper speak once upon a time, and he said stuff that I'd never thought about or heard. And I was like, oh, my gosh, if this is true, I'm not sure that everything else. And so I, I went to the pastor of the church that I was serving at, and I said, I, I don't know what to do with all of this. What, it, this has just blown my mind. And he looked at me, and he said, Scott, you need to read the Bible and see if it's in there. And he didn't solve it for me, which I was really wanting him to. And he, you know, and it, it totally undid me for probably about a yeah. year, year and a half. It's like, okay, is this stuff true? And if it is, what, to what degree is it true? Can this other stuff be true? Yeah. And, and the great thing is he never let me let go, the pastor, of either side. And the Lord didn't let me let go of it either. Mm-hmm. And so um, deconstruction could be a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. Because it will, it will, it will affirm those things. And and I, I had I had some mental notes. Yeah. Um, Megan gave me this question. You know, there's there, 
in my mind, there's three kinds of things. There's, there are opinions, there are persuasions, and there are convictions. And when we begin to work in, in deconstructive things in our theology and in our beliefs and in our preferences and all those things, we need to make sure where those are. You know, the things that are conviction are, you know, does this keep you from going to heaven? Are these big biblical truths? Now, if they're persuasion, yeah. these are things that I feel strongly about. But if somebody doesn't believe the same thing about these things that I do, I can still have fellowship with them. We can still work and minister and serve together. And then there's opinions that, that well, that's yeah. this is my opinion about this thing. But right or wrong, I can still, you know, yeah. I can still do those things. And the, the bigger things, the, the conviction things, when those, you know, settle and, and, and you know, get shaped, mm-hmm. then, then what helps me a lot of times is where, where in the hierarchy am I, yeah. am I dealing with these things yeah. kind of thing. So That's good. Yeah. Because that's, that's what I've noticed so much, right? When it's kind of like you're, if any of y'all have ever been like paragliding or something like that, you know, you're steering. Um, and sometimes you can accidentally go, you know, way too hard to the left, right? And you're like, this is not where I intended to go, right? Um, that's exactly what you're talking about, right? When you're, you know, these questions. And sometimes it's these deep theological things. And sometimes it's, um, how does my faith even apply to this specific situation that I'm going through? Because it doesn't feel like it does, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the Lord is is patient and he is compassionate, right? Absolutely. And so as long as, like you said, it's okay if you accidentally veer to the left a little bit because if you're living in community and you're following the Spirit, the Lord's going to get you back on track, right? Mm-hmm. But it's when we... Um, throw up our hands and say, well, I don't know. Or, you know, we stop doing those things in community that we get ourselves into trouble. Yeah. Right? yeah. Um, yeah. Sometimes yeah. it's just, and it's, sometimes it's hard and struggle, you know, fight the good fight, run the race, um, you know, persevere, be like a soldier, be like an athlete. I mean, the, the Christian faith is, is uh, yeah. can, can, can be oftentimes, uh, difficult, yeah, but it's always worth it. Yeah, well, always. that's that's if y'all um, if y'all have ever been in that kind of season, or there's a question that you have that you're like, this is this is keeping me up at night, or I can't make sense of this, right? Um, first of all, like Scott just said, deconstruction can be a beautiful thing, and it's a good thing, and it means you're thinking critically and worshiping with your mind, right? That's a good thing. Um, and it is okay to bring those things to the Lord and say, make it make sense, right? This, this, this isn't lining up. Um, because God always, if you look through Scripture, and I know I'm, I beat this horse to death a lot because we talk about this, but the Lord will always, 100% of the time, show up when you decide to lean in and to wrestle with whatever it is that you're wrestling with, right? Um, when Jacob wrestled with the angel, the Lord blessed him because he was in it. Right, and he was he was in it to figure that out with the Lord, right? And he was willing to do the hard work and to wrestle, right? The Lord is always going to show up when you're willing to do that, and um, that's hard, right? But and the older we get, the more things that we realize are mystery, and that that's okay, right? Mm-hmm. And some folks have an easier time being okay with mystery than others. I probably have two okay. I'm like, it's mysterious. I don't need to know, right? And that's that's not the work either, right? We want to wrestle with these things. 
Um, so it's okay to say, that's mysterious, and I might never fully know the answer to that, but I'm going to stay leaned in anyway, right? Because we don't want this life of faith for y'all to just be a season or to just be, well, I, you know, for those few years, I was really plugged into a church, and that was great, but, you know, we, this is for the long haul. This is for life, right? And so there are things that the enemy or just the sin of the world would do to prevent that. Um, But like you said, community um, and keeping a pulse on how the Spirit is moving in your life, um, that helps us go the long haul, and that's the goal. I had a professor at Howard Payne that told me one time, told the class, it felt like he was talking to me. He said, don't let what you don't know keep you from doing what you do know, you know? Yeah. And, and so he, he, you know, he talked about that yeah. and, and, uh, you know, and it, it was, it was, that was some really helpful yeah. advice. Yeah. That's awesome. Okay. Um, I, we've, I, we've kept you a long time. I'm sorry. Oh, it's all good. <laughs> um, I know I'm going to check Slido real quick, but are there any questions on the floor for Scott as we're starting to wrap up here? I know we've been over quite a bit of stuff, but if you have any, um, it's loading. But if you, oh, sorry, go ahead. Mm. That's a great question. Um, I I would say oftentimes, um, I would I would want to know, for me, if if. And, and I've had seasons where I didn't feel like I was growing. And I would, so I would begin to maybe just press into my heart to say, okay, tell, is, it, is it because the word of God is not being preached? Is it, you know, is it, is it, it's one of the, is it them or me, you know, kind of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and just press into to what, what is really causing the, the, the block or the, or the stagnation kind of thing. Um, and, and sometimes it may be, it may be that, you know, uh, I, I hear, I, it's just so um, crazy for me to fathom because of, because of our church, and I've been here 20, 26, 27 years, but we have college students, and maybe y'all have been to churches like this, that go to churches and they say the guy got up to preach and didn't even open his Bible, mm-hmm. you know, and, and so if it's something like that, then there's a flag, yeah. <laughs> You know, yeah. that, that kind of thing. So I, I would kind of just do a litmus to say, okay, Lord, help me understand how, how and why I'm feeling this way. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's what I would do. If, if it, yeah. I would ask the Lord to, to show me. And usually when you ask the Lord to show you stuff, he almost always has answered that prayer for me, both good and bad. <laughs> yeah. he's, he's not afraid to show me my scars and the dark places in my heart. In life, he he, he'll do that, and, and often, oftentimes for me, it's 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 me, you know, and I just have to, well, I have to repent and say, Lord, help me so that I don't do that again. Kind yeah. of thing. Well, that's a good. We, that's a we're good gonna question. talk through. Um, that's a great question, Dean, because in two weeks, um, we're gonna talk through kind of as a follow up to this, just discipleship, right? Because you might outgrow a means or a, a system of of what is discipling you right now, you know, you might kind of outgrow that and that's okay. Right. The Lord, hopefully, you know, you're, you're going from glory to glory and sanctification might mean like, okay, now in this season, I'm, I'm kind of thinking of things differently than 
the system allows for, right? Yeah. And so maybe that means discipleship needs to look a little different in this next season, right? Um, but it's good to ask that question now so that, you know, six months into feeling stagnant, you're like, well, <laughs> is this just it? Have I reached the top of the mountain? No, you know, but there's things that you can do um, when you feel the that way. The good news is if you're feeling stagnant, that's probably the Lord too. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. Just somebody, <laughs> Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. 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 And if and if if somebody told me they was they were feeling stagnant, I would say that's probably the Lord because the devil wouldn't he would he wouldn't tell you that. Yeah. That's exactly where he he's got you right where he wants you. He would. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. It's like screw tape letters, if you yeah. have ever read that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Any other questions from the floor? Yeah, Alex. I think it's I think it's a different kind, but I but I would want to differentiate between okay, or is what you're doing linked back to a doubt, or is it linked to the you know a new thought or somebody you've heard read or sensed in the culture a new spin on Christianity a new doctrine or those kinds of things. So I, that's why I would say different. If it's pointing back, then maybe it's not necessarily deconstruction. But if it's the deeper thing, like you're talking about, then I think it is. No, 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 not at all. I think it's beautiful because God, you, God could use that to bring you to a, 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 a better knowledge and understanding of who He is, and that is that's what when I mean beautiful. As the end result, if we are faithful and and diligent in that process, like like Megan mm-hmm. was talking about, God will be patient with us and bring us to that place. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's correct. Yeah. <laughs> Scripture is way <laughs> always the I mean that's that's the best way to know who God is and what God is like is the scripture. Yeah. It absolutely yeah. could. Right. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's yeah. probably wise. Yeah. Well, and that's a, that's a good point to make, right? Because when I think of, we all might have different assumptions about that word, right? So when I think of deconstruction, I'm saying, you know, you know those uh, kitty building blocks that are just cardboard, right? <laughs> They're in every church Sunday school room. Um, it's almost like taking apart all those and saying, okay, these are the pieces in front of me. And this is what I've historically learned from the church and scripture. And these are these things that I've, as I've grown, as I've gone to school, right, that, that I've kind of accumulated over time, right? And some of these things don't seem to stack up, right? So how can I, and I think you're right, it's a posture, right? If it's a prideful thing to say, mm, I like this better than scripture, so I'm just going to throw that out, right? That's not what we're talking about, right? Um, I wouldn't even call that deconstruction. I would just say we've missed the point there, right? But when we're, the beautiful thing of deconstruction is taking an honest look at these are the pieces in front of me, and I'm experiencing a little bit of cognitive dissonance, so Lord, help me put this back together, right? Um, And so there's an honest way to do that instead of a prideful way to do that. And I think that's the difference, right? Yeah, I, I get what you're saying. Because that's, yeah. that's hard, yeah. Um, okay, any other questions from the floor? We have a few on Slido. Yes, Silas. So you're talking about practicing faith in, you know, one culture, in this very westernized American culture, and then taking that abroad and practicing it. No, yeah, I get what you're saying. So as the culture moves, and we talked about this at staff meeting recently, right? I think Chris said culture changes every three Three years, years, right? Um, And so if you haven't gotten pushed over by it, you know, in six years you'll get pushed over by it, right? And so I think this is what you're saying. There's this constant kind of, it's a little volatile, right, culture. And so that changes the way we worship sometimes, or it threatens to at least, yeah. yeah, yeah. So what do we do with that? Yeah. Constant. Yeah. That's kind of getting, that's like what we talked about at staff meeting. But yeah, yeah. so matching up a constant gospel with a anything but constant culture, how do we manage that? That's a good question. I, I think, I think it's, it may be a little bit of deconstruction where, I'm going to use that word again, Alex. I, I think, you know, maybe the blocks get knocked down to the point where you realize what the non-negotiables of Scripture are. 
sin, you know, salvation, sacrifice, forgiveness, love. And I'm not going to get them all. But you you see what I'm saying? I mean, and that's, that's that opinion, persuasion, conviction. These are the things that I'm convicted about. These are my non. These are my non-negotiables, and I think the Lord helps us find those. Mm-hmm. Um, and the great thing I th- I think for for believers is they're they're pretty much there's there's there should be a lot of symmetry in those things. Mm-hmm. Now we may talk about them in different kinds of ways, and that's why dialogue and community is important, and even these kinds of conversations, so that. When you hear me talk about a non-negotiable, you know, God's wrath, you, you, you hear me talk about it and say, okay, yes, that's, that's, who, that's part of who God is. That's part of his nature and character, um, mm-hmm. those kinds of things. So I think it's is discovering and, and settling what, what are my non-negotiables based on the scripture. Mm-hmm. What is the scripture telling me are the non-negotiables of the faith? Mm-hmm. And that's that's something too to that's a good place to explore in community, right? Um, and read about, like you know, because I, I think I I get what you're saying. I've read some books that are like kind of taking a probably a healthy critical eye to kind of the Western American church and saying have have they kind of missed something here, right? Or this this kind of evangelical world that we kind of just skip along in has that missed something, right? And it's okay to wrestle in that space, right? Um, as long as you know what your non-negotiables are, right? Um, and that's healthy, right? It's, it's healthy to have a more diverse view of, of how we can practice faith. Um, but that can feel scary when it's uncharted territory um, or something that's kind of like culture is so volatile all the time. Um, I get what you're saying. That's, that's tough. But it, it's worth... Asking that question, that's always going to be worth it. Yeah. Anything else? Um, we had a good few, a few good things on side of. Um, what was it like balancing being in ministry and being a father? That's a good question. Um, did you write that, Christy? <laughs> <laughs> Um, you know, when, when, when we started having children, I, I really felt, um, God's call to be a father, um, much like a call to be a minister, a call to be a husband. And so, um, it was, it was one of those things where, uh, Um, I just had a, I had a conviction that if our kids didn't learn about the faith, I wasn't going to blame the church. It was going to be my fault. The blame was going to fall on me. And so mm-hmm. it was, it was very much uh, a calling that, you know, it was, it, this was more than being a minister. Um, it was, um, Less than being a believer and, and just less than being a husband, uh, but being a father was a, was a is a calling, and you know, um, it's it's really cool. Um, my daughter's married; she's twenty four, and she's 
she's really begun to have her own life and shape. And my son is a senior in college, so I still feel like I get to, and I should speak more into his life. And, you know, I know he gets tired of me saying this, but I, I will ask him over and over or remind him, I'll, I'll either say, have you fed your soul or are you feeding your soul? Mm-hmm. You need to feed your soul. Um, and and he, he and I know that's, that's from a, an old Billy Graham story. If, I don't know if you heard it. The, the, the guy had, there was a, a guy way back that, that raised uh, pit bulls fighting dog fights. And he had a whole, he had a whole uh, stable of them, so to speak. And he would bet on one and a different one every week. And for like eight or nine weeks in a row, he always bet on the winning one. And somebody came up to him and said, you know, how do you know? Why are you always, why are you always winning money on dog fights when they're all your dogs? How do you know which one's going to win? And he said, it's easy. I only feed the dog that I want to win. <laughs> and he said, I starve, I starve the other ones and they're weaker. And the one that I feed, I know is going to win. And it's the same way with our faith. And so... I, I, that's my line. Have you fed your soul? Because you're either, you're either feeding your flesh or you're feeding your soul. And Marshall and I get to have that conversation all the time, and, and I get to encourage him. And, and, you know, for me, it was, it was kind of, I don't have anybody to blame but myself if, if my kids, you know, are, are, are not growing up in the faith when they, when they left high school. I'll say it that way. Um, and when they become adults and those kinds of things, they get to they get to make decisions, and and I get to inform those decisions, but not as much as I used to when they were younger, for sure. Um, but uh, I love being a dad. Um, I got to give my daughter away. It was it was beautiful. It was cool. Um, it was it was exactly as I prayed that it would be, and um, you know I, I I love being their dad, and I tell them that. All the time, as much as I can, and so. Yeah, and I, I love hearing being a parent as a calling, right? That's important because sometimes we just think of it as like a life stage, <laughs> or something that's, well, you do this and then you have kids and then you know, but that's not, that's not what it is at all, right? That's a calling, yeah. and that's something to receive as a calling. That's important. Um. Okay, one more, uh, two more. What was it like to transition from? Um, from like this is from one lead pastor to um, another church, but basically transitioning from ministry roles and especially from yeah youth ministry into this um yeah it was really hard and I, I'm really being honest. Um, however, um, I when I began to feel like and understand the Lord's plan for me was to move into a different role at our church, I, I began to talk to some people that had, um, that had gone through a similar kind of thing, you know, and just pick their brain, what, what, what were, what'd you like, what were the challenges, and, and one, one of the guys that I talked to went from a youth pastor to an executive pastor, and he said, Scott, you need to be prepared, um, you're not going to have a group of people. You're not going to have your group anymore. You're going to be accountable and responsible to the whole group. 
which is a great privilege, and I love that. But you're not going to have this specific group that you're accountable to and, and in, com in community, I'm going to use that word, but that you're, you're, they're not gonna, you're not going to have a group of people that are just yours mm -hmm. anymore. Yeah. And that was, that was the hardest part. Mm -hmm. it, was, it, it was hard. But the good thing is I knew, I knew it was coming, and so the Lord allowed me to begin to build friendships and, and things with senior adults and older adults and parents our age and even young parents that, you know, I could pour into in different ways and facets mm -hmm. and filled some of that void. Yeah. You know, I, I get to shepherd um, the whole congregation, and that's that's a great thing. But sometimes it's just, it's the whole, there's not specific, you know, specific conversations and specific things that I had when I was in youth ministry. And yeah. so it was different, but luckily, you know, I had some wisdom from other people to help me yeah. see that coming and, and God helped me yeah. navigate that. And I might have, there's, I might have read that question wrong too, but this is important. Transitioning from one type of ministry to another, but then um, what was it like transitioning on a staff from... Don to Chris, or from one lead pastor to another, um, and being on that staff. I think that's also what part of what this is getting okay. at. Um, yeah. yeah. Leadership changes. Um, so going from Pastor Don, who was 60, 65, 60, mm -hmm. 65, I think, when he left, to Chris, who was 35, and I was uh, 51 at the time. <laughs> you know, all of a sudden you have an older pastor that obviously – you know, is your boss and, and, you know, you submit to and all that. Now you have this young whippersnapper guy that looks like he's 15, <laughs> still looks like he's 15. Um, and so, um, you know, on, on the outside, it, you know, you're thinking, wow, whoa, what? But yet, you know, it's one of those things when you, in your love for the church, you realize that God has brought him here to be the senior pastor. And so we had, before, when the church was interviewing him, way back, probably a month or two before he came, I was at youth camp, and we met between Longview. He was in Waco at the time, and I was in Longview. We met halfway through, mm -hmm. and, and I just told him, I said, Chris, I'm going to be your biggest encourager. Nobody wants you to win and succeed more as our senior pastor than I do. If I can keep you from ever being surprised, I'm going to do that. And I said, I'm always going to tell you the truth. Whether you want to hear it or not, that's going to be my promise. And that I'm just going to make that covenant with you because I, I, you know, I respect your office as a senior pastor. And I, I'm not the senior pastor, even though I've been here you know, 25 years or whatever else. I know that that's not my role, that God has called you and equipped you and gifted you to do that. And so um, for me, it was pretty easy, honestly. Um, you know, on the outside, it was kind of weird, you know, because I had all my friends calling me, dude, you got a guy that's 15 years younger than you are. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? I'm going to serve with him. <laughs> you know, it's, it's great. And, and he and I have become really, really good friends and close. We, there's a lot of things and interests that we have. Um, that we get to do together, and uh, and golf and hunt and those kinds of things, and so it's been a it's been a really uh, a tremendous blessing. And just as an aside, I'll tell this 
for my wife, Christy, the, the Johnsons live maybe an eighth of a mile from our house. I mean, it's literally around the corner. And one of the biggest blessings of, of the Johnsons coming to San Antonio has been that uh, Chris's wife and my wife have become really, really close mm-hmm. friends. When they came, my wife teaches second grade. Avery, their oldest daughter, was a second grader when they mm-hmm. came and was in Christy's class. Oh, and oh my gosh. Their younger daughter now, Ellie, is a second grader. She's in Christy's class. And Christy and Amy go walking, you know, uh, several times uh, a month. It used to be more, but with Juliet, it's not as much now. But they would go two, three, four times a week. They would walk together, and, and they formed this really special friendship, you know. That, that So it's been a it's been a blessing yeah, that's to awesome. have Chris here. Yeah. That's so cool, and that that Did takes. Did I answer that? Oh yeah. Okay. Well, and that takes humility on on both of y'all's parts, right? To say, okay, here's <laughs> there's an age difference, and and this is a drastic, you know, change, and yeah. to just be cool with it. You know, it was weird because when I got here, you know, I was the young guy, I was the youngest guy on staff, I was the first guy. This is this is a true story. I was the first guy that did not wear a tie to the office Monday through Friday. <laughs> I can't imagine that now. <laughs> I was like, I was like, man, if I show up at a high school wearing a tie, they're gonna think I'm either, you know, Jehovah's Witness, or oh they're gonna, gosh. you know, the kids are gonna laugh at me if I wear a tie. I can't do this, and so I just decided I wasn't gonna do it. And everybody went, oh, okay. And then, and then after we a while, are grateful to you. Well, and, <laughs> we don't have to do. That. And then after about two years of not wearing a tie, I wore blue jeans to the office. It was awesome. It was great. I don't. When you're don't a youth minister, you can get away with those things. It's, it's really, you know, they expect those kinds of things from youth ministry. And the single adults ministry just rides on your coattails. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Oh, this is a great question to end on. Last one. Um, so I've been away from my walk with God for a while, and I'm feeling disconnected. How can I reconnect and get back into a relationship with the Lord? That's that's yeah. Um, number one, I would just say he he has never left you. He's, he just had he's there. Um, Max Locato tells the story: if we walk a hundred steps away from God, he will follow us ninety nine, and all we have to do is turn around, and take one step, and he's right there. So I would tell you that mm-hmm. first. Yeah. Um, Tell him that I'm not where I want to be. I'm not where I need to be. Lord, help me. And he answers that prayer. Mm-hmm. He just and it doesn't have to be profound. It doesn't have to be anything but just that honest confession to the Lord, mm-hmm. and just say I, I'm here. I don't want to. I don't want to be here. Forgive me. Mm-hmm. And he does. First John one nine. He is faithful, just. Give us all sins, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And and the moment you do that, you will feel so clean. Mm-hmm. And and remember, do what you know. Dive into the word. Um, this is this is crazy, but think of the word space. When you read a passage of scripture, even the reverse passage this week, S, is there a sin for me to confess? Is there a sin for me to avoid? P, is there a promise? For me to claim that God is giving me. Um, A, is there an attitude that I need to 
change or confess or have? C, is there a command or a new thought about Christ that, that God is showing me? And E, is there an example in this text for me to follow? And this passage has got all of those in it. And just ask those five questions, the word space, and yeah. all of a sudden God is going to start showing you stuff and it's mm-hmm. going to be great. Yeah. He's Because that's what he wants to do. Yeah. You're right where he wants you when you say that mm-hmm. and when you feel that. And that's the Lord causing you to feel that way. That yeah. is the Lord causing you to feel that way. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, can we say thank you to Scott for being with us? Thank <laughs> you.